You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We have two readings this afternoon. Our first reading is from Zechariah chapter 13, the verses 1 through 9. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. On that day, I will banish the names of the idols from the land and they will know, they will be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. And if anyone still prophesies, his father and mother to whom he was born will say to him, you must die because you have told lies in the Lord's name. When he prophesies, his own parents will stab him. On that day, every prophet will be ashamed of his prophetic vision. He will not put a garment's, a prophet's garment of hair in order to deceive. He will say, I am not a prophet. I'm a farmer. The land has been my livelihood since my youth. If anyone asks him, what are these wounds on your body? He will answer the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd. Against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And I will turn my hand against the little ones. And the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. This third I will bring into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. And let's turn also to the New Testament, to Acts chapter 22, where the Apostle Paul recounts the events of his life and his coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our forefathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, Suddenly, a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 
When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of him who were killing him. And the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Our text for this afternoon is the word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 26 of the Heidelberg Catechism. We're in the section of the catechism dealing with the sacraments and in particular, we begin to look at holy baptism this afternoon. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism where he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated where scripture calls baptism the washing of rebirth and the washing away of sins. The love congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the way things have been recently, you wouldn't have thought that by the time we actually came to baptism in the Heidelberg Catechism, that there would be no baptism happening in that very same service. We have witnessed it quite often lately, and it is a, a joy and a beauty, a beauty to witness. But maybe, in fact, it is a good thing. We do not have a baptism this afternoon. Because witnessing the baptism of infants, as beautiful as it is, can lead us to believe that baptism is something that's only for infants, only for newborns. We think of what that baptism means for them, and that's great, but it means more than just that. And there are other issues that arise when we think about baptism. Baptism is a very polemical issue, and any discussion of it can quickly become academic and issues-oriented. We talk about adult baptism and Believer baptism, pedo baptism. It can easily become and remain a topic or, or an issue, a mere doctrine, you might say, that for some reason doesn't sink into our lives, doesn't affect our daily life, our daily lives as Christians. 
So the question before us this afternoon is, how well have we appropriated, how well have we understand, understood the grace that is displayed in baptism? What I mean is this, how well do we understand this grace displayed in baptism for us, for you and me, for our daily lives, for what we're going to do tomorrow, what we did yesterday, what we're doing today? Does baptism come to mind as you go through life, as you live and as you deal with the things of this life? Does baptism come to mind when you struggle against sin? When you are engaged in the process of repentance? When you are going through your daily walk of life? No, baptism isn't a daily reality, like something that daily happens to us, like a, the shower that you take to maintain your personal hygiene. But the washing of baptism is as real and as necessary as the washing with the soap and the cloth that you do every day. Or the lotion and the puff or whatever you use. To expel the dirt from your body and to reinvigorate your skin. The reality is that baptism is a washing. It is that quite literally. As water is sprinkled on the one being baptized. More than that, however, it is a sign and a seal of the effective washing of Christ's blood and spirit through which he cleanses our hearts, our minds, our consciences from sin and renews them to a life of obedience and service. And so we'll consider this afternoon that washing aspect of baptism. Baptism is a washing. It is quite literally And it points to the washing of Christ's blood and spirit. This is all premised on the promise, the great promise of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It all points in that gospel of Jesus Christ to the work that he does by his blood and his spirit. And this washing is real. It's it's effective. It initiates a new reality for the person who receives it. So baptism is a washing, and in the first place, it's premised on the promise. The connection between baptism and faith is undeniable, and it's all over the New Testament. Repeatedly, Jews are called to believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is what they're told. And what always precedes faith is the promise of the gospel. You're not just to believe something or anything. You have to believe what God calls you to believe. What you're called to believe is the promise of the gospel. So baptism is about faith, but even before the faith comes the promise. Baptism then is founded on the promise, premised on the promise of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, note that this this foundation, this premise, it never goes away. The promise is always there. It doesn't disappear. If you want to build a house and you've got a foundation, you lay the foundation, you build the house, 
And then you keep the foundation there. You don't remove it once the house is built. It'll all come falling down. That's what the promise of baptism is. It's like a foundation of a house. It's the premise of an argument. You can't take it away. It needs to stay there. That promise is always there. And therefore, that makes baptism a lifetime thing. It's something we always build on. You always build on that promise. It's so easy to think that baptism is just for infants. And of course, that's not even true. We believe that baptism is for infants as well as adults. Infants of believers and adults who come to faith later in life. But besides that, even when an infant is baptized, baptism is not merely for that infant while they are young. It's applied to infants, but it's for their whole life. It's applied to adults, and it's for their life from that time on, as long as they live. Through baptism, you're set apart for your whole life. Through baptism, you're received into the church of God, the house whose foundation is Christ and his glorious gospel. So what are those promises that make up the foundation of baptism? Really the foundation of our lives. What is promised in baptism? Well, you probably know if you're no stranger here. You've heard that form for baptism and and the form that we use organizes those promises that God gives in the gospel according to the persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us and he does that in baptism. And he, he adopts us as his children and he promises to provide us with all that we need. That's what's promised by the Father. God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood and unites us to him in his death and resurrection so that his death and resurrection is effective for us. That he did it for you. That he did it for the one who is baptized. God the Holy Spirit assures us that he will dwell in us. That's what he promises to dwell in us and to unite us with Christ and his work effectively and progressively throughout our lives. That more and more the Spirit will bring that work of Christ to bear on our lives as more and more he purges the sin from us and more and more he renews and builds righteousness, faith and obedience in us. If you, if you think about these promises that are, that are given and are spoken of in the form for baptism, then you realize that they all trace back to that one promise that Lord's Day 26 gives. The one promise that Lord's Day 26 mentions, that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. God promises us in baptism that he washes us. He cleanses us. He washes away the sinful pollution of heart, soul, and mind. So baptism is premised on the promise. At the same time, baptism is a reality for our daily life. And baptism is premised on the promise that God will wash away sin. And so what does this reality mean for someone in daily life? It's a reality for you as you struggle with sin and temptation. 
It's a reality for someone for whom the desires of the flesh and the lust of the eyes are strong. So it's it's for you as you struggle against sexual temptation or greed or apathy. Baptism is not some ancient sacrament that has no bearing upon the temptations that are upon us in this modern world. No, it has everything to do with this. It is an ancient truth that confronts the realities of sin and temptation that we live in full on. Baptism points to the washing by Christ's blood and spirit. In baptism, forgiveness from sins and renewed strength to fight against sin and temptation are promised to us. And we're going to talk about that more in the next point. But the point here that we must not miss is this. Since these promises are communicated through baptism, we are called to believe. These are promises that must be believed. You must reach hold, reach out and grab hold of the truth and the promises that God gives in your baptism. You must grab hold of them by faith and cling to them. It's when those promises are believed, it's at that point that the power of Jesus Christ is unleashed upon that, that dark stain in your soul, cleansing and renewing it. Baptism doesn't do this work for you. It's the blood and the spirit of Jesus Christ that accomplishes it for you. And this then is the very point one of the main points of baptism, to point you not to the moment of your washing, but to point you to the reality that is always contained in that washing, the reality of Christ's atoning death and His powerful resurrection that He has done once for all time. It's accomplished for you and for the rest of your life. Your baptism calls you to believe in that. So what is contained, what is given, what is shown in that washing with water? Well, first of all, it's what's shown is the washing with Christ's blood. The once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That when he accomplished it, stretched back over the believers of the Old Testament and was sufficient for them, and stretched forward to all of God's chosen people in the New Testament and was and is sufficient for us. Now you might ask, how is it that blood, the blood of Jesus Christ can wash us? Wouldn't it be gross to be washed with blood? What's this talking about? Well, what is on display, what that water of baptism is signifying is the blood of the sacrifices. The sacrifices that God had ordained in the Old Testament, which all pointed forward to Jesus Christ, who would come as the ultimate sacrifice. The washing that it accomplishes is a washing that goes much deeper than a mere scrubbing of the sin. It's a scrubbing of the skin, sorry. It's not a superficial washing at all. It says the blood of the sacrifice would wash away the sins. It would purify the soul of the worshiper who offered that sacrifice. Well, those sacrifices were God's ordained means of dealing with sin in the old covenant. 
pointing forward to Jesus Christ. And so, in the New Covenant, God sent His Son to be that sacrifice. To wash away the impurity of our souls through His sacrifice once for all to cleanse His people. That's the washing of Christ's blood that the water of baptism points to. It also speaks about the washing with Christ's Spirit. What's this all about? Well, we read together from Zechariah 13. The prophet Zechariah had foretold a washing. When John the, Baptist, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, I baptize with water, but after me is coming one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus himself later would tell Nicodemus that if anyone was to enter the kingdom of God, he would need to be born again of water and the Spirit. And what he was referring to was Ezekiel chapter 36, where we read this. As what had been prophesied through Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so the prophets foretold this washing. And Jesus Christ came and and he accomplishes that washing through his Holy Spirit. That's the washing that baptism signifies. And so we need to be clear. The washing that Ezekiel foretells is not the washing of baptism. Ezekiel's not talking that a time is going to come when Ministers will sprinkle water on the heads of infants and adults. But the washing that is being foretold by Ezekiel is the washing that's signified and sealed in baptism. The washing by the Holy Spirit is what's promised in baptism. And what baptism then is a call to believe by faith that the Holy Spirit does wash you. The washing by the Holy Spirit then is a process where as sin and sinful motivations are are purged from your life, more and more you are renewed to be able to conform to God's will. More and more the, the impulses deep within you, which which at one time were towards sin and sinfulness and rebellion against God, are, are cleansed and, and conformed so that more and more they are holy and they are loving and they are God-oriented in everything that you do. That's the washing that the Holy Spirit accomplishes. And so the washing of baptism has a twofold effect. It washes you from sin, it cleanses sin from your life, and it renews your life at the same time. It does what every soap maker wants you to believe their product does. Not only removes the dirt, but also reinvigorates and revitalizes the skin. Well, whether there's a soap powerful enough to do that is beside the point. But Jesus Christ certainly is powerful enough to do that for you, body, soul, and spirit. And so what does this look like? What does this look like in in life? What does baptism mean for the 17-year-old guy who's struggling and fighting a losing battle with his lust? What does baptism mean for a 50-year-old who's battling apathy and spiritual listlessness? just doesn't 
have the motivation or the heart? What does it mean for the 35-year-old Christian woman whose sinful past always seems to crowd out the joy and the peace that she has in Christ? Well, first, baptism contains the promise that Christ's blood cleanses you from your sins. The catechism says, as surely as, gives the promise that as surely as, and then question answer 70 goes on to, to speak about what that as surely as points at. But I think we can actually even turn that up a notch. Not that there's anything wrong with as surely as, but you could say even more than. Even more than water washes away dirt from the body, Christ's blood cleanses your conscience, washes your heart, purifies your mind. It is so effective that even the three times holy God who sees and knows all, who peers into the deepest recesses of everything that you have and are, can declare about you that you are innocent of any sins. It is so effective that the God who knows all, who sees all, and who is three times holy can look at you and see perfection. No sin. On the one hand, what sin wants you to believe is that it's not really a big deal. The blood of Jesus Christ teaches otherwise. It is such a big deal that Christ gave up his life to deal with sin. On the other hand, temptation and and sin want you to believe that sin is too big of a deal for you. That you're guilty. That you always will be guilty. And there's nothing you can do about it. You might as well just give in and get used to it. But the blood of Jesus Christ teaches differently. You are not permanently stained, broken, or guilty. You are innocent. You are washed and restored through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the water of baptism is pointing to. That's what the water of baptism is calling you to believe. That Christ's blood is that effective for you. To completely cleanse you of all your sins. And so baptism is your lifelong call to believe that. And then be blessed in that knowledge. Baptism has the promise that Christ's blood cleanses you from sin. It also has the promise that Christ renews you and empowers you by your spirit. How does that work with sin and temptation? Well, sin and temptation on the one hand want you to believe that pursuing unrighteousness, living a sinful life, maybe even a moderately sinful life, is no big deal. That you could turn from it whenever you want. And that indulging in a little sin now and again won't hurt anyone. But the Spirit of Jesus Christ teaches otherwise. It teaches that sin and righteousness are not two hobbies. You can choose to do one one day and choose to do another the other day. But they're two masters. And you're either serving one or the other. You cannot serve both at the same time. On the other hand... Temptation and sin want you to believe that that sinful patterns in your life are are too ingrained and embedded in your psyche, in your life, in your habits to change. Temptation wants you to believe that this is the road that you're on. 
This defines you and you will never be able to change that. You've been doing this for years. You've always been fighting against it. You've never been able to overcome. And that's just the way it's going to be for you. Wants to teach you that your life is like a pair of railroad tracks and that you're the train. You just have to follow them. That's always the way it is. But the spirit of Jesus Christ teaches differently. You are not powerless. Your sinful habits are not overwhelming and your past does not predetermine a hopeless existence for you. The spirit of Jesus Christ is the spirit of Jesus Christ. He is powerful. He's the creator. He's the recreator. The spirit of Jesus Christ renews you. He changes you at the very core where that change needs to be made. Changes your core impulses. He fortifies your spiritual defenses. And he lays open for you a new path upon which you are to walk. And a new path upon which you can walk with his help. That's what the waters of baptism signify. That's what the waters of baptism call upon you to believe and to trust in your whole life. And so you can see that baptism brings you into a new reality. It really does. If you've been listening through the course of this sermon, you already understand this last point, that it initiates a new reality. But it's worth stating explicitly. Baptism is a rite of initiation. It initiates a new reality for you. Sin has this power, doesn't it? This power to define you. Some sins are are so powerful that when you go back in your mind, when you search for your identity in, in who you are and in what you've done in your past, then you can so easily get stuck in, in sin or in some particular sin that just seems to to be able to dictate to you who you are and what you always will be. You get stuck there. I'm dirty. I'm powerless. I'm a lust-filled loser. But baptism calls you to go back further than that. Further, further, further. Past your sins to the foundation. It calls you to get right down to the foundation right down to the promises of God. Go back to the very beginning. Go back to your baptism. Baptism calls you to believe the identity contained in your baptism, the identity that Christ has won for you through His blood and Spirit. That you are a called, cleansed, and conformed child of God. That's your identity in Christ. Baptism calls you to form your identity not in who you are or in what you've done, but from the very beginning of your life or from the very beginning of your new life in Christ to form your identity in who Jesus Christ is and in what Jesus Christ has done for you. The Belgian Confession states that through baptism we are received into the church of God. That's where in this new reality we belong. 
There's only one place for this new reality to grow in us and us in this new reality. And that's the place into which baptism calls you, into the church of God, into the family of God, as we gather together in this world. Whether you've come into this reality late in life, whether you've been baptized as a child, baptism has brought you into a new reality. You are cleansed and conformed through Christ's blood and spirit. You are a member of the body. You are a new creation. And so, how will baptism affect you this week? How will you live your life day to day in the reality of what is signified and sealed in baptism? Baptism is a call to believe. Believe in those great and precious promises of the gospel signified and sealed to you in your baptism. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.